0: Right. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon. On a Monday, it's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent Condon and Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours talking sports with you. Thanks for being a uh, part of the program here this morning. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list at the bottom of the hour, Scott Dockerman will join us. A lot of ground to cover with Dock. It is game week after all uh, for the Hawks. Uh, we will talk to Scott Dockerman on that, maybe. a little bit on the end of a a podcasting era with him and Mark Morehouse no longer uh, doing their On Iowa podcast, but mostly, obviously, on the here and now, and that's Iowa and Purdue at 11.05. Bama, Bob, Trent, and I will recap the weekend in college football. Also going to go on record with the Big Ten, you know, if not Ohio State, who... Likewise, I guess we should do Wisconsin, if mm-hmm, not Wisconsin, yeah. who? Uh, so we'll do that. And then uh, Eric Heft is going to join us. A huge, huge spot for Iowa State as they go on the road to take on uh, the Cowboys of Oklahoma State. Still water-bound in a game, to, at least for my I sit, absolutely huge Uh, In the grand scheme of things, and that grand scheme is potentially stamping, uh, punching your ticket to the Big 12 championship. We'll recap the weekend. Uh, We say goodbye to an absolute giant in the media industry in Minnesota. And another one walks away in his own volition uh, in the NHL. And that was Doc Emmerich, who for a lot of people is their voice of hockey for the years. But a lot of ground to cover.
2: Trent Condon, how are you? I'm doing well. Fun weekend. uh, College Thank God we had Alabama-Georgia Saturday night. Because overall, I watched a lot of Notre Dame. Yep. They looked awful. They did. They could use Chase Claypool after seeing what he's doing with the Steelers. He's something. They don't have anything outside. They No. They, this is not a team. They're really good up front. Mm-hmm. They're good defensively. And mm-hmm. to hold Louisville to 7, even in a windy day, is pretty impressive. But then you only score 12. They score 12. Right. Notre Dame is good. They're not beating Clemson. No. They're no, no not, nobody's going to beat Clemson in that they're, conference. They're not... They're a fine team, yeah, but are they a top 10 team? No, I don't think so. This it, is why,
0: uh, th- there's a lot of reasons I want the Big Ten back. Mm-hmm. You know, to get some of these teams that are, holding, that are place-holding mm-hmm. in the top yeah, 10 right yeah. now.
2: I mean, Coastal Carolina, it's a great story for yes. them to be ranked. I've seen people, Bruce Feldman, who I really respect. He hasn't been in his top 10 because yeah. he said, well, they've actually earned it on the field. And yeah. until he sees the other teams, okay, I get it. But come on, Coastal Carolina is not a 10 no. they weren't. They were picked last in their division. In the Sun belt. That's quite a story.
0: Quite yeah. Quite a story. And watch them. They're the only game in town way, way back on September the 12th when they picked off Kansas. Anyways, we've got football coming out of our ears this weekend. So glad that it's back. And yes, we're going to spend a lot of time in that game, Trent. But I'll tell you what, this game in Stillwater. Mm-hmm. And I know that I've gone on record and if, if Iowa State wins this game, it would be... And you said it a couple of weeks ago, yeah. where they're at. It would be disappointing if they don't get to a championship game now. But this is a big spot for both schools, both coming off buys. Uh Iowa State's was scheduled. Oklahoma State's wasn't. Uh, but the COVID took their game off uh, last weekend. So a big, big spot. Sadly, they're both at 2.30. But uh,
2: if that's the worst thing going on in anybody's life, you're doing okay. Yes, absolutely. Looking forward to a Big Ten football conversation, getting that back. It just... For me, I'm a Big Ten fan. I'm an Iowa mm-hmm. fan. And the teams that you just know more about, we had one Big 12 game this weekend. Yeah. And that's always, if there's a Big Ten or Big 12 game and there's nothing really else on, uh-huh. I'll still watch. Not me too. Just a couple of middling teams going yes. up against each other. I'll Yes, I'll watch Purdue against Indiana. I'll watch Hell those yeah. type of games. Right. But without it, that's what I told you. You were trying to pump me up for the South Carolina game. And it was a good game. And it was a good game, but right. it's still just... It's not the same. I agree with you. It's not the same. Right. George alabama yes. Right. LSU when they're good against Florida, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. South Carolina-Auburn. Mm-hmm. It it's a more difficult where I can... <laughs> well,
0: you should have watched my razor, my Razorbacks. Oh, you're, but this, you're deep in. This Sam Pittman story is unbelievable. And yes. uh, You know, yeah, yeah, I root for these kinds of stories, I'm right, right there with you. This yep. guy was a lifer, football guy, assistant coach, an O-line coach forever, and players politic to get this guy the gig and look at the turnaround. Anyways, I don't want to spend the week on Arkansas. We no, but it, but it's incredible. It is a good and story. And they're doing
2: it defensively. Right. They were it wasn't close. Mm-hmm. The worst defense in the SEC. It's not like they went out, brought in six grad transfers, a couple no. of JUCOs. and no, that's not what this is. These are guys that these are guys that were on the roster. Yeah. That weren't playing. Right. John Chavis who for a long time was considered one of the best defensive yep. coordinators. He was the coordinator at Arkansas. And uh-huh. now, bringing a new staff, yep. Pittman takes over, yep. and taking these guys and molding them into it. it is, it's a really good story, but thankfully have to talk much Arkansas football now going forward. <laughs> no, we, we won't. There'll be a
0: lot of Big Ten conversation, and uh, Iowa State back on the field as they take on Oklahoma State. Your Bears are in first place. You yeah, oh. must have a little bounce in your step. As I said to my son last night in a text message, if I'm the Vikings, I'm going to start Riley Reef at quarterback for the remainder of the season.
2: Just, <laughs> not even Nate Staley, huh? Not, not, well, You're going no, with a different no, Hawkeye.
0: No, yeah, I, mean, I, would, I would start Riley Reef. Put the left tackle at QB because it's all about Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the this is not a good Vikings football team. Sid Hartman passes away. Did you see Wiki upon his passing? Uh-uh. I see. I don't... You can get to Wikipedia and make changes, apparently? Yeah. yeah.
2: That's so, what it is,
0: yeah. So Sid Hartman's Wikipedia page, immediately upon news that the uh, Centurion has passed, um, cause of death.
2: No. Kurt Cousins. <laughs> I mean, it's- a little morbid, but it's pretty hilarious. <laughs> it is,
0: right? I mean, it, yeah. it, bring, it brings a little bit of a smile, but the it football does. team itself, Trent, is just, its they're awful. They're mm-hmm. a bad, bad football team. Green Bay gets the snot kicked out of them. Boy, did that game change quickly from 10 nothing. all of a sudden blink, mm-hmm. uh, and and the uh, uh, Buccaneers are in front and they're pulling away, and Andamikin Sue's knocking Aaron Rodgers on his can, and they're chirping back and forth. This Tampa Bay team is good. Here's what makes it so difficult to bet football, and There was a segment last week. I think you were on the phone. I was talking about pros versus Joes yes, and how I was going to be a Joe because I love the Rams. They are not going to get beat by the 49ers. You watch the Niners. I watch the Niners. I've been watching the Rams. This team is going to pound them. You know what out of them. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. And yet the pros were all over the San Francisco team. I'm thinking to myself, how in the world? What do they see? Well, this is why they do this for a living. Baseball was good. Feel bad for the Braves fans. Uh feel good for John Camp and yeah. the other Dodger fans out there. We're going to get the best team in the American League record-wise against the best team in the National League record-wise, and they will start
2: tomorrow uh, with Game 1 of the World Series. But uh, it was a phenomenal weekend of sports is what it was. We get Tampa against the Dodgers. These two teams are combined winning percentage best in World Series history. Isn't that something? Of course, abbreviated season. Mm-hmm. Maybe that has something to do with it. But regardless, these are two really good teams, and... Though we'll have the designated hitter all the way through, something we haven't had in a World Series before, all seven games if it goes that long. These are two managers. These are two teams that are built where it's going to come down to what we love about baseball, the second guessing, you the know. decisions, those who to leave in, who to pinch hit, those types of situations. The Dodgers and Rays do it about as well as anybody in baseball. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a lot of that second guessing. I'm excited, too. The quick turnaround, not a big layoff laying into it. All right. Get started again tomorrow. That and game last night needed Joe Buck. Yeah, it needed Joe Buck. It was a really edgier,
0: seat, it was. entertaining game. It was a game seven and back and forth. Like th- if you're a Braves fan, you're sick to your stomach. Your team ran themselves out of the fourth oh. inning. Just an atrocious
2: a just five an, two five two six double play. Is that what it was? I think that's what it was. Yeah, I
0: mean, yeah, third baseman, catcher, catcher, third baseman, ta- diving tag, turns yeah. around, throws the ball to his shortstop. Uh, amazing, just amazing, just the bungling of the the Braves, uh, but a great, great game and a great series and the Dodgers. Uh, winning three straight games to punch their ticket to the World Series after the Braves were up three one in that series, the Astros. Nobody shedding any tears. They came back from three nothing to make it three all before they finally succumbed to the uh, Rays on what Saturday?
2: Did you watch any of it? Yeah,
0: I did because you know what? Or what was game was I watching early? There was a window before Bama Georgia started. There was nothing really in the afternoon slot that mm-hmm. floated my boat. So what was the early game on Saturday? Well, whatever one. I watched one of the games on Saturday. It might have been the, have early been game was was the, the National Bra- League. Yeah, yeah, it was the, the Dodgers-Braves.
2: Right. So uh, uh, to answer your
0: question, I didn't watch a ton of the American League mm-hmm. game because I was locked in on college football. Same thing, yeah. It
2: was Alabama-Georgia. Right. Kind of dominated things and a little flipping around. And how about Florida State? Yes. Hit the win against Carolina. And how
0: about at the entrant? I mean, Carolina, they dropped three straight wide-open passes. Yes. They were going to come back and and have an opportunity to at least tie that game with a field goal. Yeah, I mean, uh, Florida State, they were a big—they didn't score in the second half, I don't think. I think they were blanked in the second half.
2: They were, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it was 31-7 at the right. half. And I jumped on Carolina after they scored the first touchdown in the second half. That made it 31-14. Got him at like plus 375, just a little little sprinkling. And as I was watching the last possessions, you were a little bit different kind of interest on that one. Catch the ball, let's go. And and yeah, I thought they were there. But you could see afterwards, too, the Florida State, the fan base, they were cutting to the fans Mm -hmm. in the stands. And just your team's not very good, but especially for Florida State standards, get that kind of win. Get some momentum going and roll from there. And
0: The ACC overall, Trent, it's just, and, and thankfully with the Big Ten back, we're not mm-hmm. going to spend a ton of time previewing yeah. or recapping. NC Thama. State's 4-1. and one. Yeah, I don't get it. Right. I don't get it. I know Clemson's legit. I mean, right. yeah. I don't want to just fast forward because I think Ohio State will have a say in this thing. <laughs> I'm anxious. That's my early game on sun, on Saturday. I'm watching Ohio State and Nebraska.
2: To I see wa- both teams. To
0: see both teams, yeah. right. I mean, I think Ohio State's absolutely worthy of being in that conversation, but I want to see it on the field to back it up. And I know that one week won't form your, solidify your opinion on this team either way. Likewise, I want to see Nebraska. Who are they going to start a quarterback? What are they going to be any better defensively? A lot of questions. Look, Nebraska, to a small extent, it kind of moves the needle a little mm-hmm. bit in Central Iowa. They are a a love-to-hate team, if nothing else. Yeah, it's right? one thing
2: Iowa and Iowa State can get they behind do. together.
0: No question. Everybody hates Nebraska. Everybody hates Nebraska. So we'll, I'll, I'll pay attention to that game in the early slot, and then both of them head-to-head uh, at 2.30 in the afternoon, uh, Iowa State and Oklahoma State, and obviously Iowa uh, and Purdue. Look, I really, um, I guess we should at least mention the... Um, the letter, the extortion letter that was sent, the list of demands that were sent. I don't want to give it a ton of oxygen. A, it's game week. Mm-hmm. B, I've never seen anything like that. You either file a lawsuit or you don't. And I think it's coming. But it's just the timing-wise. Trent, I think that if these guys were serious, and they got some powerful people behind them. Yeah. I mean, Alfredo Parrish, mm-hmm. he doesn't jump on these things um, you know, just because he's got some free time. But... It's game week. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get, this story's not going to get the oxygen that maybe they think it's going to, because it was clearly, I think, dropped at this time to get the full effect. I I think this backfiring.
2: I don't want to talk about it. It's extortion. The response by the University of Iowa General Counsel, Carol Reisner. Yeah. What she said, I didn't even read it. We respectfully decline your monetary and personal demands. Right. (laughs) We, I want Barta fired, I want Brian Ferentz fired, we want Kirk, Kirk Ferentz fired, and we want $20
0: million or... Man, I've it, never seen anything like that before.
2: Hearing anybody that works in employment law, they will tell you basically all of this is it's pretty garbage. Yeah. You, you, don't, you don't go in with a list of demands like that. Well, we
0: have an employment attorney that we talk to whenever something like this. Right. Or maybe we should get Nate Bolton at some point this week. Mm-hmm. To,
2: and it might be a five-minute conversation. That's all I want to talk about did, it, Trent. Is there any merit at all? No, then we can move on quickly. If there is, all yeah. right, then we'll go a little bit deeper. Right. And there's always other things we can talk about with Nate in, in the law and sports world as they collide. But yeah, I, I saw it the same way as you $20 million. Well, and three 10, firings. 10 for us, 10 for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that that kind of says something, too. It, if I'm the University of Iowa, and I'm sure this is probably a part of a lot of big organizations, whatever university, whatever it may be, game plan, just bleed them dry, just stretch yep. this thing out yep. as long as possible get all those billable hours up there, and, and see how long they can last. It's, yeah, it's a part,
0: pro bono situation for the attorneys. Be, yeah.
2: Uh, well, well, we'll see how it plays out, but I, I want to talk
0: about what's on the field. June, July, we spent a lot of time on the story itself, mm-hmm. and clearly Iowa, I, I think it resonated. Um, who, were, who was interviewed? Was it Hankins that was interviewed, I think, recently, and was asked if he notices a difference culture-wise and what it's like, uh, and he couldn't say enough glowing things. That it's 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 way more. I think he used the word, and I'm paraphrasing, fun. But when it's time to go to work, we know that these coaches, they're coaches after all. Yeah. But it's a
2: different feel, a different vibe, and that's going to happen when
0: Chris Doyle is no longer
2: part of it, yeah. right? Brightwaith takes over mm-hmm. as the in the interim role right now as the head of strength and conditioning. He's also said uh, last week when he was interviewed that he never heard Doyle use the N word in any context during his words. You know, working with him in the years that they worked together, but still, you you have some of that positivity back in, in a wake up call. And when you're on any job for 22 years, sometimes you need those mm-hmm. kind of wake up calls. Mm-hmm. And, and though yes, the players continually are changing, your coaching staff is always evolving and changing. Those kind of wake up calls they can be a good thing. And I think Kirk Ferentz, I still respect him enough that he can car he can take that inside of him and realize, all right, what I've done is very good, but there are things that you can do better. Mm-hmm. And I think Kirk really, truly believes that and is working to do that. Well, I hope so. And, I mean, uh, actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. words,
0: we'll see. I do, too. I mean, the, these two kind of asterisks on his career. The rhabdo in this will be a part of the Ference era when it's all said and done. Yep. Um, there, there's no denying that, but um, we'll let this thing play out and go from there. But yeah, I think we should probably, in fairness, have Nate Bolton on to uh, to pick his employment uh, attorney-trained brain as to what he thinks. Because I've never, again, never seen uh, in anything like that. I did see... A couple of Hawks who are playing their best football at the next level, and they both play for the team I root for, so I'm going to watch closely. Michael O'Jamudi, who I thought was a stretch taken in the third round, mm-hmm. and Josie Jewell, had there not been for a couple of injuries, was really going to struggle for his spot on the roster. That was not just me saying that. That was people that covered the team. Jewell is playing on, out of his mind. He even looks faster. Does he? Now, I don't know if that's just the game You know, he's starting to understand the
2: pro game as Mm -hmm. opposed to the college game. Anticipation getting better, and that makes him look faster. And
0: that's exactly right, because I don't think he is any faster. But at Trent, he's baptism by fire in a lot of ways, but he's in the right spots, and he's creating turnovers, he's punching out footballs. Uh, so that's that's encouraging for both of those guys who I thought were maybe fringe players in the NFL at this point.
2: So outside of a couple of times being on red zone and, and seeing the game, I didn't see a whole lot of Broncos, Patriots. Help me out here a little bit. Well, Jen, it's good news because I watched every one of the 60 I, I, Minutes. <laughs> I figured you did. So was it Cam looked off? They looked shaky because they haven't practiced a whole I lot? I just
0: don't think they're very good.
2: The Patriots aren't very I good. I
0: just don't think the Patriots are very good. It's as simple as that. Yeah. I mean, yes, Cam was rusty, but their mm. offensive line is not is not great. They still uh, don't have playmakers. They don't. White's a terrific running back. Burkhead's carved out an amazing career yes. in the NFL. Uh, Gilmore and the McCourty brothers are both good players. I just don't know if they're any good. They're just...
2: They're good enough to be a playoff team. I don't know. That's... I'm not
0: i am not convinced they're good enough to even to be a playoff team. I think yeah. Miami's really good in the in the A. All of a sudden. All of a sudden, right? They're playing very good football. And we'll see the Bills tonight against the Chiefs. But um, I'm just not sure about the Patriots.
2: You hold them to six field goals. Six consecutive drives yeah, couldn't ending punch in a it field in. goal. And Drew Locke
0: was not good yesterday. He wasn't. No, he was awful. He's turning the ball over. Um but anyways, we'll we'll see. There were some good games in the NFL.
2: There were. Uh, my Bears find a way again. Another game that they didn't play great. No. It wasn't. They're not things of beauty, these games. No. This, but this is Bears football. Uh-huh. When they're good over the last, what, 25 years? Ever since Walter Payton retired? That's what this team has been built on. Really good defensively. Mm-hmm. And they are. They're really, really yep. good. Kaluamak's having a nice year. Of a disappointing year. Yes. Statistically and just overall, I think all of his numbers were down last year. Yeah. Having Quinn on the other side is a big, big, big help. Having another guy that can either draw a double team or just lead Khalil Mack to have a little bit of running room. You know, they stunted continually. They did a lot of good things to get Bridgewater, who was playing so well going into that game. First throw of the day, though. Off, mm-hmm. had last late. throw
0: that they had a chance, Trent. Yes, it had a chance. He just threw it over the wrong shoulder.
2: It was uh, just one of those days where you get out to a lead, you hold on for dear life, and you're five and one. Uh-huh. Somehow, some way, Trent at five and one. This would be a team. shock
0: because they're not in the playoffs.
2: You get the Vikings two more times. Uh-huh. You still have the Lions on the schedule. Schedule tightens up here. Going to mm-hmm. be more difficult. Green Next Bay, of course, four are still really two. are
0: pretty good. Yeah, and then Green Bay. Thanksgiving and then once more before it ends. They're late in the year. Those matchups. Right, yeah, I
2: think is it the second to last game of the year?
0: Might is, be, but I know that the Sunday night football. I'm pretty sure on Thanksgiving weekend is Packers Bears to bring the curtain down on a wonderful four days.
2: What do you read into what we saw from the Packers yesterday? Ten nothing lead, pick six, and then well, 38 straight is what it turned out to be. Do we read too much into it? I know Rogers listening to him after the game. He had mentioned... He thought it was good that they needed a reset. Yeah. Um, He's not overreacting. He's not concerned. mm -hmm. It was one of those days. And those kind of days are going to happen. Yeah, But... I think Tampa's pretty good. That was more my takeaway than anything. It it wasn't, oh, the Packers are in deep trouble or anything like that. They're a really banged-up team, too. They're cornerbacks. Mm -hmm. We saw Joshua Jackson out there. Yeah, he got beat repeatedly. Yes, he did. And you can see why probably Joshua Jackson hasn't played very much. No, I'm not sure he's long for the Packers. Yeah. But with King banged up the Mm -hmm. way he is on one side, Alexander's banged up, Mm -hmm. though he played. Kenny Clark, is is this going to be kind of a continued conversation with him throughout the season? Is he just a limited because of that injury snap kind of guy where maybe we can get 20, 25 snaps out of him and that's it? Yeah, I think that's probably the case. It feels like it's trending towards that kind of season for Kenny Clark. And when you lose that guy in the middle who, when healthy, when right, it's about as good as anybody in the middle of your defense. And you take that away, that's going to be impactful. But Devontae Adams is still back out there mm-hmm. for the first time. Targeted him a bunch. And he was picked a couple of times. Tampa knew where they were going majority of the time. Without Alan Lazard, all of a sudden this offense can be yeah. pretty pedestrian. They need Lazard back, and we're still, what, three weeks away before he can I think, possibly yes, return? I
0: think that's it because it's a six-weekend. Has is it, is it been three already? Yeah. Has it? Uh, that the um. That game didn't need Joe Buck. I think Fox You wanted him up. on baseball. I wanted him on baseball. It's a game seven in the NLCS. This is a week six. I get it. It's What's Brady going to rate versus Rodgers. Well, football is always going to rate better. Yeah. I mean, football, I'll, I'm anxious to see what the Rams'
2: Niners did up against game seven last night. Because it was two big market teams. Two big market teams. One of the biggest national teams in the Dodgers, mm-hmm. coupled with a game who, seven. Who won Los Angeles last night? Oh, Oh that's a great question. That's a great question. I may have to go to New York Times or LAtimes.com and find the that Dodgers out. Dodgers probably would win it.
0: Cuz the I'm not we know sure how baseball, yes. Yeah, and I'm not sure LA's a football town, right? Yeah. Now they got two teams. Do they are they are some people
2: aware? <laughs> right. The Rams are always a part of it cuz they were there for a long mm-hmm. time and then coming back, I think it was important. Yeah, the Chargers obviously don't don't matter in that market, but yeah, that's interesting. What won the night? In LA. In LA. I'd still say the football. Yeah. I'd still, that would still be my guess, but I wouldn't be shocked if it is. Well, it you matters. know what
0: we're going to see? We're going to see either LA or TB become a championship city, right? One of them is going to have two championships here in in a month's time. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that nuts? What's, uh, how this has played out? Uh, real quick on Doc Emmerich, and with we'll probably more so with Cappy on Wednesday, uh, he's interviewed him a ton of times. Um, What a tremendous, tremendous gift to hockey fans listening to Doc Emmerich. For me, he's one of the best, uh, the top three to ever do it. And and this is probably not fair, but uh, maybe it's my Canadian bias showing, but there's two guys that I listen to a ton. Bob Cole and Danny Galavan, who called the Montreal Canadiens in the 70s on Hockey Night in Canada. And Bob Cole was the English, broad, or the Maple Leaf broadcaster, Hockey Night in Canada. But Doc Emmerich for 47 years. What an unbelievable career. And the games that this guy was fortunate to paint the picture for uh, the hockey fans and the listening audience. Just as, He was unbelievable, Trent.
2: He really and truly had a gift, and he shared it with us. It's a guy that I didn't get to know until late late in his career, but just his description of the game. It was different than anybody I've heard in any sport. Mm-hmm. Calling a game, the number of different terms he had for, well, it's just For I, anything. Yeah, and, and boy, where'd he come up with that one? Mm-hmm. And the, list, the vocabulary that he had, the adjectives that he used, it was something I never heard before, and... same thing. I'm I'm a play-by-play guy. I enjoy listening to all kinds of walk and walks of whatever it is, whatever sport. And it's something that I always listen to very closely, completely different and very eye-opening the first time I started hearing those terms in different ways. And we talked about Kirk Ferris being in the same job for 22 years and you get into those rhythms and same thing as a Mm play-by-play broadcaster. And there can be a lot more to it. Mm. There's a lot more terms that you can use over the course of a game. And he was as good as you're going to find doing Painted that. the picture. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a guy that goes back to Gordie Howe with the Red Wings and Bobby Hull with the Blackhawks
0: and Bobby Orr as a member of the Bruins. I mean, he's been doing it for 47 years. Just absolutely remarkable. Now, real quick, and I, will get, I want to spend at least a couple of minutes with Scott Dockerman because I'm assuming him, he shared a press box with Sid Hartman. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you haven't read it, the, the, Sid, the Sid Hartman Prince story, is a. have you read it? Are you familiar with the story? No, I don't know. So it's on ESPN. I think, is it Kevin Seifert or Seifert? Seifert, I believe, Seifert, is his yeah. name. Uh, he wrote it. Prince was the halftime, enter- uh, the halftime show at one of the Super Bowls. In the in this, maybe 2007, whatever it was. was mm-hmm. sometime in this century. And Hartman was there. And, and Hartman wanted to meet Prince. And Prince isn't a guy that was really wanted to talk to anybody, apparently. And it's on ESPN.com. So... Somehow Sid Hartman and one of the uh, sports information director, PR directors for one of the terms, was able to get Hartman past three layers of security down into the bowels of the uh of the stadium. Because you know that the the Super Bowl performer always meets with the media on Super Bowl week. You're, okay. you're aware, right? Whoever's, whoever the halftime act is, is going to do a press conference. Well, Prince wasn't going to take any questions. He was going to sing us a couple of songs, and that's what he did. So Sid Hartman wanted to meet Prince, both Minnesota guys. And as we come to find out, the two guys that are uh, in the land of 10,000 lakes that, that everybody knows when they're referred to by their first name, Prince and Sid, mm-hmm. right? So Sid and this this uh, member, of the, one of the the one I think it was the twins— um, are chasing Prince's entourage through the bowels of this bowels of a stadium, and Hartman, says, Prince, Prince, and he's surrounded by his bodyguards, right? Mm-hmm. And the guys think, oh, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> this is going to be bad. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Prince stops and turns around and st- takes a, t- a step forward towards this on this eighty-something-year-old man who's running him down. And he stops in his bodyguard's part, and Sid walks up to him and says, Hey, Prince, Mr. Hartman, how are you? It's good to see you. Wow. It's amazing. I mean, I'm not doing it justice. Read it for yourself. It's a tremendous story. Because apparently, Prince talked to nobody, right? Yeah. Um, but he was, he too wanted to
2: meet Sid. Another close personal friend of that's Sid. Hartman. Exactly. And that's how he referred to him. By the way,
0: look at it outside, for God's sakes. It's snowing. This is. Um, but the front page of today's Minneapolis Star Tribune, see that. have you seen it? Yes. It's completely white with mm-hmm. his tape recorder and something about a close personal friend. Mm-hmm. Sid Hartman wrote a column that was published in yesterday's Star Tribune. On the day that he died, he was published at the age of 100, column number 21,000 and something. I mean, Trent, what a career. I mean, this yeah. guy started... Selling newspapers in 1928. It's not a high school education, yeah. for crying out loud. He dropped out
2: his junior year to sell newspapers. Yes, because he had to do help the family. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. And, and then he, starts, A father that couldn't read or write. The, precisely. And started the
0: Minneapolis Lakers, or is a big, big instrumental was piece. Who the GM?
2: He built them into you know a championship team. Do you know why he
0: team? quit? uh uh-uh. Because he couldn't convince the owners who were going Sid had a trade lined up. He could not convince the owners to pull the trigger on a guy named Bill Russell. Oh, wow. And he quit. It's in his book. Said I didn't know I mean, I knew him, obviously. Yeah. I, I couldn't wait to read Sunday
2: him. mornings were a big part if if I was ever with Grandpa Jack. Absolutely. And it, the best part of his column was jottings. Yes, The absolutely. very bottom, yep. jottings. Every time be a Minneapolis visiting family, Without Sunday up. paper. Star Tribune. It, it was always a huge part of yep. it. Reading Sid, what Sid had to say. And I didn't like Sid. I didn't like Sid because he loved the Gophers more than anything. He did, he the, loved the Gophers them. were his team. Were his team. Mm-hmm. And he would sing their praises even yep. when they were awful. Jim Wacker up there going 0-11, but they had a team yep. coming in the following year. And he was also He was a, a cheerleader. He was. Yep. He absolutely was. The Gophers were number one for him. And mm-hmm. you know, we lost Bob Brooks a few years yep. back. Miss uh, lost Sid yesterday and those stories and hearing, and I know Dockerman had been at least a small part of that. I'm excited to talk to him because those kind of stories, that, that is one of my regrets, that I was never able to be in a press box with those two guys going back and forth. And you, you would hear the stories of those two guys would oh. just holler at each other. Trent, there's a statue, a statue of a media guy outside
0: Target Field. Mm-hmm. A media guy, Sid Hartman, with his tape recorder. It's, and I think it's... It's a, they, apparently, they've taken it down now. I don't know if that took it down because of the riding. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know. Or renovations or whatever. But apparently, it's in storage. But what an amazing... 100 years old, the day he died, he's published in the paper. Remarkable. It's time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword HOME to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win 1000 bucks. HOME to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Uh, Google. Not you, Trent. The audience. Google. Sid Hartman and Prince. It's a really good read. Um, it really is. Anyways, uh, Scott Dockerman. E- after this timeout, we will talk to Doc. He's of course with the Athletic, covers the Hawkeyes, Miller and Condon till noon. Bamba Bob Trent tonight, eleven five. Eric Hefton, the Cyclones at eleven thirty. It's Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO and 10- one i Miller and Condon. Welcome back. to Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Another keyword coming up in the 11 o'clock hour. Right now, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. It is indeed after a long, long wait to game week. Hawks-Purdue. Uh, they will kick at uh, 2.30. Jeff Braum will not be part of it. He is positive. Uh, So he, well, let's find out. Doc, uh, uh, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. Um, He can't be on the sidelines, right? The Big Tens has way more stringent COVID positive, um, I guess, checklist than most of the others, apparently. There's a 21-day for the players. What is it for coaches? Do you know, Doc? Coaches, which is 10
1: days uh he ha uh i was just uh, on a conference call with him or and he uh cannot be at the game right now uh that they are in trying to look into ways where maybe he can be a part of it tech and technology wise you know whether that's at his own home and uh you know be able to speak to the coaches or something maybe in the booth but but by and large, uh, he will not be at the game. Brian Brom, his brother, yeah. uh, will be the acting head coach and will be calling the plays for the Boilermakers. And uh, you know, so he's got ten days. Now, unlike the players, and and the reason why some people will say, "What's the difference?" Well, he's not out there playing. He's not out there, you know, using his heart muscles, running routes, mm-hmm. throwing the football. So that's the that's the primary reason why uh, Jeff Brom will be uh, you know right now at ten days. But he's at, he has the symptoms. He described them, uh, described them as uh, something he figured was probably the case, and, and I came back yesterday with two different tests.
2: How impactful do you think this is going to be for Purdue? Losing your head coach, first game of the year, in terms of points, is it worth a field goal, is it worth a touchdown? How impactful do you believe this is?
1: Well, I don't want to encourage or discourage any degenerate gamblers out there. (laughs) Are you talking uh, to me, Doc? But Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Jeff Brom is a tremendous coach. He is. Tremendous game day coach. Uh, He knows the style of play he wants and executes it. And he's very aggressive. He's aggressive in different styles. uh, And he's not afraid to attack. So I think this uh, this is a challenge for Purdue. That's not to say that they can't do. Anything correctly? I mean, you know, this this is going to be an interesting matchup as it is. Uh, but you know, Jeff Brom, I, I know there is you know huge respect for him from the Iowa coaching staff because they've seen what he's capable of doing. And in some ways, you could say that uh, the the entire uh, cash system has a lot of what Purdue does in mind. So yeah, mm. this is this is this is impactful, no doubt about it.
0: Well, uh, to the, to that end, Doc, I mean, uh, kaç- uh, Purdue certainly not without weapons in the news with Rondell Moore coming back, and David Bell was tremendous last year. Have they settled on a quarterback? Is it going to be Jake Plummer? Because this was one of the schools in the Big Ten that legitimately had a quarterback battle through training camp. Did Plummer win the job? Did they Have they tipped their hand?
1: <laughs> he was asked about that in his uh, news conference, and he says they've settled on a guy, but they're going to, Wait until two thirty on Saturday yep. before they let everybody know. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's still up in the air. Uh, I wouldn't be able to, you know, to deduct who that was going to be. Unlike some of the other people, but who <laughs> cover the program every day. But yeah, they have settled. So I guess we'll find out if somebody's spying on practice. Who's getting the first team reps?
2: 230 for Iowa Purdue the following week, just announced a little bit ago against Northwestern on Halloween. Also, will be a 230 kickoff for that one as they continue to trickle out here. The problem, as I look at it, Doc, and the concern as we look across the country and we see all these cancellations, not just at the mid majors or the lower level conferences, but happening at a major level, is there's not going to be wiggle room. Has the Big Ten come out and said what it's going to be? Is it strictly win percentage to win a division? tiebreakers how they're going to go in effect when inevitably there's going to be some kind of cancellations this year
1: that uh i did talk to the big ten about a lot of different things but that's one part of it that hasn't really been completely defined and and told to everyone and uh, i'd imagine that that's probably the case but you know i'm I'm only speculating and Mm -hmm. the other thing is if, if you've got a team let's say is 7-1 Seven and one, and one that's six and one, but the six and one team beat the seven and one team. Uh, it would be grossly unfair uh, if a game got canceled uh, that that one doesn't get a chance to play for the title if they won the head-to-head matchup. So I, I would like to see some clarity on that for the Big Ten. Hopefully, when they usually put together their notes package, they're more defined on that. But they've been yeah, uh, eh, they've been lax on a few areas that maybe uh, a handful of years ago they weren't quite as lax.
0: Doc, uh, just before you came on, you tweeted that there has been no discussion of cancellation uh, of Saturday's game. Was that hinted to? Was there some rumors out there that perhaps this game might not be played?
1: No, not at all. In fact, all that was was a response to the question to uh, Mike Bobinski, the Purdue Athletic Director, and somebody said, was there ever potential for this game to be canceled? And he said no. He brought it up to the – the athletic directors uh, that no one person is bigger than the team, and that includes that coach. Jeff Brom said the same thing. So there's no rumor or anything. It was just a matter of kind of a, a clarification. I think everybody would would wonder if that's the case, and and as of right now, there's no no question at all in that.
0: Uh, game within the game, Doc. What's the matchup that you're going to be looking forward to the most, and what might be you know the matchup in this football game that decides it? I'm not. Uh, I'm not sold on our Purdue secondary. I think I was going to be able to do some business through the air. Conversely, I think Iowa's secondary is going to be tested because Purdue, as we know, has got a couple of guys that can really uh, uh, change outcomes of football games. What's inside the, inside the matchup itself? What are you going to be watching?
1: Oh, my. You know, you really got to start with those wide receivers. Rondell Moore and David Bell are two tremendous wide receivers. I mean, as good of a combination as there is in the Big Ten, potentially, in the country. So that's going to challenge Iowa in a lot of different ways, specifically because Purdue's not afraid to go deep on first down, where a lot of places, uh, a lot of teams are. Purdue's willing to to take chances and, and risks and do it over and over and over again, whereas a lot of teams are not that way as well. So there are... That's to me what Iowa has to limit are those big plays. On the, on the flip side of that, Iowa needs to pressure the quarterback. And that's a real concern. That is probably my number one concern for Iowa this year mm-hmm. is just can they generate some sort of pressure on the quarterback? Um, because without A.J. Epineza, you don't have a guarantee. You know, even when Epineza wasn't getting pressure on, a, on the quarterback, he was drawing slant coverage, he was drawing double teams he, or, or chips everything that was was, the protection was slanted in his direction that's not the case this year so can somebody like joe evans or zach ben balkenberg or somebody else generate that kind of pressure um i do think iowa is going to score points and i think they're going to score a lot of them the one player that you have to be cognizant of on the produce side is george carloftis yes this guy number five he's a five star and he reminds me of ryan kerrigan so him going against uh, either tackle, Koi uh, Kronk, that's a really interesting matchup simply because Koi's from you know Lafayette um, if he's on the right side. But then on the left, Alaric Jackson and George Karloftis, those are two players I think will be in the NFL. So that, to me, is the most important matchup for Iowa offensively.
2: Talking with Scott Dockerman from The Athletic as we take a look around Iowa-Purdue coming up this weekend. And yesterday, another layer to the story that we talked so much about over the summer Eight former players seeking twenty million dollars from the university. Kirk Ferentz's fire firing, among other things. Your takeaway as you uh, read through that yesterday?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Austria demanded less of Serbia after <laughs> Franz Ferdinand was uh, assassinated in nineteen fourteen. Uh, that's that's really I I, I want to uh, considering I'm reporting this story and I I'm trying to avoid any kind of personal feelings. Uh, I would say that um, you know, given given a university in the middle of a pandemic, ten days to respond to a letter asking for twenty million dollars and the firing of uh, of an institutional head coach uh, who's been around for twenty years, his son, and the athletic director, um, you're basically saying we're just going to sue you because that's exactly. not going to happen. So, yeah, so I it. think at this point you you just say go for it and if you're Iowa, I think Iowa should fight it with every fiber in its being. I mean, you know, what did those players do to deserve that kind of compensation? You know, and I I'm sure this is meant to settle. You know, they don't mm-hmm. they don't want to Iowa probably wanted to go away, but at this point, I think uh Iowa's made a lot of changes and Iowa's offered a lot of former athletes the opportunity to come back to college uh paid for. Um so if these players want that kind of money. I'm sure I will say, take a score. We'll take you.
0: Uh, Doc, a couple of things uh, away from uh, the game itself. Um, you, let's start with Sid Hartman. I'm assuming, I know you have, you shared a press box with him when the Gophers and the Hawks would play. Just an incredible, incredible life, an incredible career. He published his final column on the day that he passed away. Um, just, do you, do you have any memories of Sid Hartman and sharing a press pre- press box with him?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, Sid was such a visible face everywhere. And one, one that came to my mind was in 2014. And before the, the Gophers and Hawkeyes game in Minneapolis, I'm sitting there with Brooksy, and here comes Sid. And, and you got Sid and Brooksy sitting there talking over about Forrest Davoshefsky and all those hmm. games, in the 50s. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, you know what? Shut up. Right. because <laughs> these guys are – this is Washington and Jefferson of one of the great rivalries in college sports. And they're talking away, and then uh, it brings up the fact that you know he he and Evie were such good friends, and and Evie was so cheap that when they would go uh, like national meetings, that Sid would get a hotel room, and Evie say Ah, can I uh, can I crash on your couch? And wow. <laughs> get a hotel room, and and Evie had a chance to coach the Packers at fifty eight, uh, and, and and decided against it. He thought Green Bay at that point it really was a wasteland in pro football. And gave way to a guy uh, named Vince Lombardi mm. <laughs> to do it. So, I think this is uh, you know Sid Hartman. There's you know the word legend and icon get thrown around a lot. Uh, he is absolutely 100% a hundred uh, percent an icon and a legend in in the world of sports in the in the upper Midwest, and there will never be another one like you know, I can guarantee
0: that. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You and Mark Morehouse, uh, end of an era as far as your On Iowa podcast. Our friend Mark Morehouse is uh, uh, going to go into retirement. You did your last one. I'm guessing that a lot of people clicked on to listen to uh, uh, a weekly staple in a lot of Hawkeye fans' lives, the On Iowa podcast. It's uh, The last one was recorded, but I know you're still you're still going to keep doing them. Your partner's going to change. Nicole Auerbach, and you were doing one at the Athletic, and I believe you and Rob Howe were teaming up. But uh, uh, just you and Mark, uh, it's 10 years, whatever it was, that's it's quite a run.
1: Yeah, it sure was. And, uh, you know, we've kind of moved around in different areas, different things. But, you know, I mean, Mark and I were very close. We had a very good relationship. I think our chemistry was really solid. Um, you know, in our podcast, I mean, we've had so many memories. Uh, associated with it. So, yeah, I, as I mentioned on Friday, I think in a tweet that, you know, my heart is full, but it's leaking. I mean, you know, we are, and we will remain great friends. There's no doubt about that. And it, but it, we just, we did such, uh, I, I thought really fun work. We felt like we were two guys at the bar just kind of sharing our thoughts. And, uh, we, you know, we did have a, a front row seat to all the action. So we did know a lot of different things. So, uh, you know, it's, it's tough the to, way to end, but I you know I wish Mark the, the best in his, life choice uh to to leave the, the cedar rapids gazette after 23 years and uh going to uh galena illinois just to kind of uh, probably relax for a while and then figure out what's next in his life so um yeah it was, it's bittersweet to say the least but um yeah I, I will be continuing uh you know i have two different podcasts the Athletic started uh podcast this week uh regarding the Big Ten. I started one today with Nicole Arbach. On Wednesdays, I'll be with Mitch Sherman. And then on uh, Mm. Thursdays, I'll be joining Rob Howe with with one for, you know, we'll just kind of break down some stuff Iowa-wise. But it it won't be the On Iowa podcast. There'll never be another On Iowa podcast as far as I'm concerned.
0: No, it was a hell of a run. Scott Dockerman, thank you. Uh, We will talk to you a week from today. Appreciate what you do for us here on Mondays. Uh, Have a great week, Doc. Appreciate it.
1: All right, thanks guys, appreciate it.
0: Good to talk to you, Scott Dockerman from the Athletic. Take our final time out of the first hour of the program. come back. By the way, Iowa State, Kansas, they kick at 11 mm-hmm. on FS1 on the 20 No, the 31st, 31st. Halloween. 31st, Halloween.
2: Uh, and then Iowa Northwestern at 2:30. And we're getting absolutely pounded with snow right now. It's incredible, Trent. You know, we had Doc on right before the derecho yeah. as it was While going it was through going, here. Yeah, yeah. And of course, we knew it happened over in Cedar Rapids. Maybe we should have given him a head up about this, too, because it's heading his way. Uh, I, was I was shocked yesterday morning oh, to wake up. The same way. I, I told my daughter, look outside. Right. She she didn't get it. She, Can I still trick or treat? Yeah, trick or treat. It's, it'll still be happening. Is, is it
0: on? Trick or treating? West Des Moines, on?
2: we're good. Are oh, yeah, We're going to be good. Yeah. So, of course, I'll have uh, Football Friday night that night. So. Mm. I'll have to duck out a little bit early. But, yeah, there will still be, at least as far as I know, everything, all systems go around our neighborhood. We'll keep it very tight. We'll come back, finish up the first hour of the program. Miller and Condon are here until noon. Bama Bob at
0: 11.05. Eric on Iowa State at 11.30-ish. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.
1: HopeLawFirm.com.
0: All right, final couple of minutes, first hour of the program. we will be in Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXO, 106.3 FM. Boy, it just feels different, doesn't it? Big Ten's week two schedule yeah. comes out Ohio State,
2: Penn State at night on the 31st. It just feels different. Game day, gonna be in Minnesota. Yeah, for the how about first that? Time. How about that? Good for them. Gonna guess they're gonna be at Penn State then the following week. For Penn State, Ohio State, Ooh. I'm going to guess, uh, unless Fox has uh, got that. But with uh, that being uh, ABC broadcast for that, right? It is, yeah, it is. What else is? What's the whiteout going to look like? Well, look outside. <laughs> <laughs> they need snow in order for it's, it's, for them to pull it off. Yeah, that's
0: oh boy, we're getting football. We are. We're you can't have everything this year. Mm-hmm. But you're right. That is boy, that would be spectacular, yes, wouldn't it, to watch it would. that visual unfolding. Um. Yeah, sadly not the case. Oklahoma-Texas Tech is the Big 12's prime timer that night. Texas Tech, Oklahoma, we'll see. Um, I'm not sure what else they could have put up against it in, in its place, but that's what the Big 12 is putting in their major, major time slot. All right, Bama,
2: Bob, Trent, and I will go around college football. How'd you do on your picks? Uh, three and two. Three and two? Three and two, so another winning week as we— For you. Well over uh, 58% on the year. I wow. will take that. Good. You're keeping your head above water. I'm 2-2 two and two as I got the Chiefs tonight. The but again, Chiefs. this was the the pros are all over Buffalo. They are, and that number's at 5.5. Is it we gone to 5.5? That's where it was at DraftKings this morning. Wow. I uh, had some problems with DraftKings yesterday logging into my account. Couldn't log in. What's oh, you know what? Or.
0: I I read something about that. It was a uh it was a company wide issue. Yeah. So
2: it Did turned you... out pretty good because <laughs> the way that I was betting in the NFL, I would have bet in the NFL didn't go very good. Jumped over to Bill Hill Well, I got a couple of bucks still left in that account <laughs> and fired at a few things, but uh, kinda happy I was locked out of my account. Everything is good uh, by the time uh late yesterday afternoon I was able to get in and made a little wager on the raise regardless of opponent. And now could have got them at a better price, so maybe mm. should have waited for the Dodgers mm. to ultimately win. Do you win. think it's going to be a good series? I do. I think it's going to be. I do. Doesn't have buzz because of the Rays. I get right. it. Right. But how about Randy
0: Arozarena? I mean, what a story! Dude's a stud. What a story! How much money's he going to make? How much money's he made this October for crying out loud? Cardinals let him go. Well, part of the trade, but still didn't think he was worthy. Anyways. Uh, Bama Bob, Trent, and I will recap the week in college football. We'll go on record, if not Ohio State or Wisconsin, who in both of those divisions. Uh, and then Eric Heft on Iowa State at the bottom of the hour. Miller and Condon, noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 and 106.3 F